The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. People say ain't no good when I'm crazy as a loon. Cause I shave my head in the morning and pick guitar in the afternoon. Just like old Chief and Charlie, I like to lay around in the shade. Well, I ain't got no money, but you better believe I got it made. Cause I ain't asking nobody for nothing. If I can't get it on my own. If you don't just leave this bald-headed country boy alone. Before this episode of the Josh Terry Podcast gets started, we want to thank all of our sponsors. 3B Construction and Roofing, Your Choice Healthcare, Lori's Dive-In, DPF Alternatives, and they have a new address, by the way. It is 288 Eatington Highway, Gray, Georgia, 31032. Nobles Networking, Project K9 Hero, who is a lifetime sponsor of the show. If you would like to figure out how to be a lifetime sponsor of the show, please message me now. Cottonfield Grill, Pearl Promoting, Back Road Park, and Event Venue. Don't forget, November 10th and 11th, we are over there for their Veterans Day celebration. Friday night is Tristan Baugh and Confederate Railroad. And on Saturday is Miss Ella Langley and Trey Lewis. I'll be hosting the event. It is going to be an awesome time. Do not miss out. Tickets are available now. Cashman's Pub, Down Yonder Hat Co., Deep South Chemical, and we're bringing back an old feature that we haven't done in a while. Our Spotlight Song of the Month, an artist spotlight, is on Mr. Hunter Mounts and Kyle Austin. They just put out a song called Collard Greens. I really, really like it. I'm going to play it for you in a couple weeks whenever these boys come into the show. So do me a favor now. Go follow both these guys on social media and download our song of the month, Collar Green, by Hunter Mounts and Kyle Austin. Better than basic. Uh, Miss Erica does our website. She does all our graphic design. She does everything for us. Please go check them out now for any of your social media needs, marketing needs, whatever. And check out the Josh Terry podcast.com our official website grab some merch while you're there and please leave a review and rate the show if you love this please help me grow all i need you to do is take five minutes out of your time go to apple spotify however you listen to the show and leave a review leave us five stars it helps us more than you know i'm grateful for each and every one of y'all thank y'all for making the show what it is now I'll stop with the business side of the show now, and we'll get to talking. Thank y'all for listening. Enjoy the show. What's up, folks? Thank y'all for tuning into the Josh Terry Podcast. Uh, after a wild weekend in Angel City Bike Rally, uh, I'm exhausted, but I am up for this show. I've been wanting to do this show for a hot-ass minute. Um, I'm going to tell y'all a cool story about it in a minute, but first, I'm going to introduce y'all to Mr. LV Shane. What's up, dude? What's going on, dude? Good to be here. Sorry for the uh, the delay. 
everything in my life's a fucking delay. You're fine. I, I, I can't, I can't get shit right most of the time. I didn't become a musician to be on time for everything, right? Thank you. Like, I, if same, same with all the shit I do. Like, when I show up, I show up. Like, thank y'all just for having your shit together when I get there. You know, <laughs> like one of us needs to. Uh, what's crazy, dude? Um, is I opened up my studio in 2020. And my dad has this big monster of a man for a friend. I'm not going to say his name on here, but he is just a big mountain of a son of a bitch. And we're in the studio and I'm playing all the shit I normally play. Like I'm a Keith Whitley's my all time favorite paycheck co all that shit. And I'm in there listening to it. And this big old burly son of a bitch comes up to me and he's like, dude, you got to hear this song. It's called That's My Boy by L.V. Shane. And I, I hadn't heard it yet, right? And he's like, look it up real fast. And I played on YouTube and all the shit and everything. There's six or seven grown-ass men in the studio helping me put the finishes, touches on everything. And this son of a bitch I've known my whole life. I'm 36 years old, and so he's got to be in his 50s to 60s, is over there squalling. Squalling. And like it's, a, I love the song, but I look at him and I'm like, why? I mean, like I've seen you, I've seen you listen to fucking Teddy Bear by Red Savine and not cry. I've heard you, I've seen you <laughs> listen to the the saddest songs of all time and not cry. And he's like, I live this, dude. He's like, my son, who's not my son, is my son. And he's like, this dude just put it better than I've ever heard it before, and. I mean, I, I was hooked on the song after that, but it's crazy to see this how that song affected him. And then when you saw the reaction to it on social media and everything, that's one of those I always preach on here, dude. I'm not really about the in-the-moment songs or just making shit for money. I like the legacy of songs. I like songs that are going to be all-time songs. That is going to yeah. be an all-time song, dude. Well, hopefully that's what I continue to focus on trying to put out in the world, man. I'm not about the here and now shit myself, you know. Hey, but that that seriously helped me. People like like Burley Bob you're talking about. Uh, that song is so much different than anything else that I do, and especially on this this new project we're putting together. But it's it's so much softer and tender and vulnerable, and you know all the above, but. I was worried about putting it out because I was like, man, it's going to be, that's going to be such a hill to, to have to climb after that, to, to let people get more of an idea of like where I come yeah. from about and do that. I was right. It, it is, it's, it's a, it's a hill right now. We're climbing it, but I don't, you know, at this point I don't give a shit. It's an honest song. It comes from, from where I come from. It's about my son. Um, who I, you know, I just, I just try to be the best dad I, or father figure I can. And it's like, I, I come nowhere close to my father-in-law being, being a, a great father figure in that boy's life. My father-in-law was obviously around well before I was, but so I, I like to give credit where credit is due, but I've seen a video. I'm like, man, how am I going to come out of this? Like <sighs> poster child for step parenting all over the <laughs> world uh, picture that people have of me, I guess. Uh, but I've seen this video of this, this Hispanic dude on, and I don't know, it, he, he had tattoos all over his face, like gang tattoos and shit. And he, 
And it's after we put the the girl version out, and this little girl walks in the frame while the song, and this dude is just weeping. And I was like, man, it don't matter. It's like it don't matter how how rough your upbringing was, or 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 where you're from, what kind of life you live now. There's people in in all different walks of life, and from all different cultures and rural and urban backgrounds that that have have a child in their life that might not be their blood, but they they love them, and then and that love showed in that video and I, I don't know there was just something about that specific video that really helped me out <clears throat> with with moving forward now, like i said it's it's definitely been a hill to climb though yeah. you know and uh but i think like with pill we just oh, put so pill good up. by the way i Thank love you. it it's so good i with that it's that song definitely like for me it kind of lives in the same vein as my boy but but also like lets people know because if anybody's heard that song and uh you just they put might it out recently right yeah it's just month. a couple yeah. weeks ago and they might not know that like that's that's me like that guy in the first verse is me and the girl in the second verse was a girl i was dating at the time that i'd kind of drug into that lifestyle and i was a piece of shit man like i didn't i didn't do i, I wasn't doing anything in my early 20s but smelling everything I could, smoking everything I could, <laughs> drinking everything I could, and, you know, running around. And... Dude, same. I was explaining to somebody yesterday about this. Uh, if you didn't known me from the age of 18 to 23 until my daughter was born, I was a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I was a piece of shit. Dude, I, I had no, like, I had, I did not care about anything, but right now, then and i guess that's i mean that's probably where a lot of people are that age right like i i the thing was is i just came out of high school where i was never in like a lot of bad trouble or anything but i was just uh, you know i was always into some shit and then i get out of that and then i i go straight into the like the, the god got a hold of me man and i was like i i started preaching and i was preaching for like two years in like old-fashioned southern baptist religion and hellfire and brimstone stuff you know and <laughs> so i was doing that but I, I felt like a caged animal and i felt like i was just regurgitating stuff that i heard my whole life and didn't really know if i really even believed all of it so then i, I i'm one extreme or the other so i left that and went straight into partying drugs alcohol all this stuff and then you know getting back to my boy that lasted five years of my life and then i met my now wife of 10, 11 years, Mandy. And she had, she had the little boy, you know, and so that just turned my life around. So it was, it was a very important part of my story that I felt like I needed. And I don't know how you believe me, man, but I feel like one day we were talking about trying to pitch that song to Luke Bryan because, you know, Luke is having to, to, uh, you know, he's raising his, I wouldn't say having to, but yeah. Luke is raising his, his, uh, family members kids and i was like i'll there were some people that wanted me to pitch it and i was like i'll pitch it but only if somebody that can relate to the song is going to sing it because I, I it needs to be real you know and, and i was walking to the i remember i got out of my lincoln town car, car slammed the door walked up to my door of my rent house and as i grabbed the doorknob it was like god said to me you know in the way that that god speaks you know you can i don't actually hear a voice uh, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
but uh he was like so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna give you this song because i'd always said the song was a gift so he's like i'm gonna give you the song you call a gift and you're just gonna give it away and i was like oh man it's like that so uh so yeah i i just trudged on and you know john loba came across it who is the the head of bmg broken bow in nashville and uh he had a stepson who's a, a friend of a close friend of mine and and he related to it and and you know we were off to the races yeah dude that's one of those luke Bryan might have sounded good singing it i ain't got nothing in the world against luke he's a good dude but some people are just supposed to sing stuff like that if you wrote it if you lived it you're supposed to be the one who sings it to me yeah or you have to be so relatable to it. Like it's got to be word for word to where you feel what the person who actually wrote it, even if you're the one covering it. Um, I always tell folks, you know, if you want a great example of why you don't let somebody cover something like that, uh, I I love Morgan Wallen, don't get me wrong, but I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. And if you go listen to Cover Me Up when Isbell does it and he talks about living it and everything – and then you listen to Morgan do it. It went from a romantic song to his wife for saving his life to all of a sudden it's a damn panty dropper when Morgan does it. And it's not meant to be, <laughs> it's not meant to be that. It, it, it's hey, not Morgan at all. Panty dropper. No, uh, dude, it, it, dude could just put, <laughs> he could sing a song about shit and it probably come yeah. out clean. Yeah, man, it would. He, uh, that dude is, uh, he does have a great voice. I watched a video of him. I, uh, bounced around a little bit, but, uh, squirrel i watched a video of him doing his show at the ramen back before, i think it was before all the controversy you know yeah and he was doing cover me up and i was just like god dang this dude can sing his ass off i love singers man oh me too i just like and i i don't know i guess i'm attracted to a certain kind of voice and and those voice those voices for me have always had grit you know it's i like i like, the one to, that I like can... to hear a little bit I like the ones you can feel the pain in their voice. Like you can, yeah. you know that they're hurting and you don't know what they're hurting from, but you know, they're fucking hurting right now. Yeah, man. I, I mean, my first two and my still my top two singers are John Fogarty and, and, and Steve Earl. And oh, I just, hell yeah. I could just hear like when I heard those guys sing a song, I was like, damn, these guys are living it or, but all, but I learned cause I've got to, uh, I've got to know Steve a little bit over the last few years. And I kind of learned that he didn't really live all the stuff at first that really disappointed the shit out of me. Like I was like, Oh no, man, you're my guy. Good old boy getting tough shit. I used yeah. to talk that with my daddy, right? The semi truck, you know, and that was like, that's what made me feel like you knew who I am. You know, and he's like, and then there's this song someday that I really, really love as well. Someday I'm finally going to let go because I know there's better, there's a better way. I want to know what's over that rainbow. I want to get out of here someday, you know, and I felt that shit when I was growing up in Grayson County, Kentucky. And I, uh, I talked to him. I was telling him about this. He's like, it ain't me. You know, I said, Oh damn, man. What do you mean? Yeah. That ain't me. He's like, he said, well, someday in particular, you know, we, we were having some fan trouble and we stopped, um, uh, we stopped at this gas station that was closed down, but there was this young cat in there working on this old 67 Chevy. You know, it says I got a 67 Chevy. She's low and sleek and black. One day I'll put her on that interstate and never look back. And, uh, he said, kid came out there and like turned the pumps back on for us and let us get some gas and, and help us get back on the road, fix the tire or some shit. 
he said, as I was, as we were leaving, I started thinking about that kid and I was like, I wonder what it's like to be him, you know? I was like, oh, well, shit, okay. But newfound respect now, you know? <laughs> yeah. The voice, and it's like, and and I've learned to appreciate people like like Steve. Uh, who, dude, Steve travels all over the world and, like, lives with these people and writes, like, the Ghost of West Virginia, where he went and stayed with those people for, for forever and learned about those families that lost those loved ones in the coal mine accident and, and wrote this whole project around Jerusalem, which is touches on what's going on right now over in Israel. He went yep. over and made an album with uh, with some people over in Israel, and so yeah, it's just uh, I, I I found a newfound respect for like trying to see things from someone else's perspective. And I don't think that Steve like politically would agree with a lot of the characters in his songs, right? But he Probably. still feels the need to express their yep. side of the story. So I kind of applied that in this new stuff, but John Fogarty, he came from like, he grew up listening to like a lot of these uh, black funk and soul groups, you know, and, and really learned his thing from them and how to sing from them. And, and you can just really hear that in his voice. And so it's just those singers and, and those gritty voices and, you know, those two and, and the Temptations were like oh, my man. three. Those but, were my three when I was ki a kid growing up. That movie that came out, The Fighting Temptations, I seen yeah. that shit and I was like, it was tragic but amazing. And uh, and and the voices and the swagger that those guys had. Motown had Motown had it, dude. I, I oh. can't I mean, I, I don't care if you're a hundred years old and you're Caucasian, you're hundred years old, you're African American, or you're ten years old, you're either one of those things. You hear some of that Motown soul, and it's gonna make you sway. It's gonna make you bob your head. It's so good. Yeah, man, it's it's been a huge influence in, in a lot of music over the years. Obviously, it's so. I wonder if we're. I just wonder if we're ever gonna. It's so rare to hear a sound come out these days that's like completely original. You know, it's hard. I'm a, what is it? I said it's real hard. You don't. You have to find a person who's not just trying to make it in music, but trying to be an artist like a, like a Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill yeah. kind of does his shit his, his own way and is unapologetic about it. Uh, Marcus King, you know, folks like that, that, you know, that everybody, nobody does this shit. I shouldn't say nobody does it because they love it, but there is a job. You have to make money at some point in time. You got to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get that mailbox money rolling in. I gotta <laughs> do this song right now. So I've got something on Like sometimes you got to do shit you don't want to do because you're paying the bills. It's a job regardless how you look at it. But there are some people who are just like, fuck it. I, if I don't get paid, I don't get paid. I'm putting this out. And I kind of respect it. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't want to be broke, bro. Uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely feel that. I, I became a little more fuck it later in the game. Yeah. You know, my first record I was like super authentic to me. I had no... I didn't have to argue with anybody about putting that music out. I was hundred percent creative freedom. It was awesome. And, and it was like, I tried specifically throughout that record to, to pay homage to, to people like Bruce and Fogarty and, and Steve and like all of my early influence, Leonard Skinner and all that stuff and nineties country. And I wanted to like hear a blend of those sounds in that record. Um, but like also, I was on this mission to prove that I could do a record cheaper 
than anyone <laughs> and more authentic and and you know just like a kind of a live sound but it would still blow up and and just like take over the airwaves right that was like in my that was what was in my head and then uh surprise motherfucker. yeah that's what happens <laughs> oh hey I, trust we me. had we had one, we had one blow up and i'm super proud it did but you know well this uh, act, what is it I, I was gonna say but what's funny about that is uh uh one of my buddies uh bobby pinson um <laughs> bobby, like, I just see yeah God, i love fucking bobby we we recorded a show last year with him at Seagale whenever uh he released the shave. Um and he released it on here first before it came out on anywhere else, right? And he told me something and I'd never thought about it before. And I think it applies to to you with That's My Boy and the other stuff you have coming out now. He says you to get really noticed and it's kind of aggravating, but you gotta write one great song before you write a lot of good ones. And <laughs> yeah. And he's like, that's the only way you're ever going to get noticed by everybody. And it's kind of, it's kind of, and it was crazy. It's Jason Michael Carroll was on a couple months ago and he said the same thing. He said, I was out there killing it and ha and doing my own thing. But then I dropped a list of lies and it was like the second I dropped a list of lies, whole life changed. And I, I think like with you, dude, I've listened to the, the, the one, the hard pill to swallow and some other stuff in just the past couple of days. And I already had the hard pill to swallow, but I think you already got your great song and now everything else you put out, you can almost probably do what you want. It's just getting, it's just getting it to people to listen is the problem sometimes. Yeah. And getting, and getting the, uh, I don't know, getting the money to cooperate with it. Yeah. You know, I, I feel, I feel much more related to, to indie artists and, and yeah. their struggle and stuff. And, and, you know, I, I was listening to some guy bitch about people selling out and, you know, <laughs> record labels and all this stuff and it's like bro like it just it annoyed the shit out of me because you know this project that we just finished recording i literally had to make a, a respectful phone call to someone at the label and because they i mean the answer was no it was like hey we're, we're not going to do this music you know and i was like well look i believe in this music you know so this is the music i'm going to do i'm not chasing i'm not going on a wild goose chase and yeah. you know going down rabbit holes and shit like this is it and like respectfully, if I can't, if you can't get the rest of the team to agree on that, then, you know, I'll, I'll go back and cut trees for my father-in-law or I'll go drive a truck with my dad, and my brother. Like I get to do this. I don't have to. So it's like when I heard this dude talking about, and I ain't going to say no names, but just bitching about selling out and getting a record deal. And I was, dude, I was so green when I came down. I was only in town for a few years when I got my record deal. I had no, it's like all this shit's getting thrown at you. I was like, hell, this is the dream. This is what you grow up you know, dreaming of, of happening and I'm going to take it. But like to, to put a blanket statement on, on artists that have record deals saying that they're, they're sellouts, like kiss my ass, dude. All you right. don't know what I go through in the, in the, the, the three hours back and forth to home where my, my wife and my kids are and being away from them to, to try to make this work and be honest and try to tell stories that I think are important about the, the American people and, and the human condition and, like so, yeah, I don't know. Just it's, fuck it's, that. Definitely, it's definitely not fucking selling out. It's not. No. It's when you realize when you realize you have to have it. Like I used to, I used to think, hey, if you're so talented with the way social media is now, you don't even need Nashville. Until I started spending a week out of every month up there working with artists, recording, 
doing our show and everything up there and just the networking and, and, and all of it that comes along with it. It's not selling out. It's I'm doing what's best for me and my family to get my music heard and to get my, my shit out there. If you don't have some of those folks, you got to be a lucky son of a bitch like Oliver Anthony that right time, right (laughs) song, whatever. You just got to be lucky and fuck how long, how many times has that happened? I mean, it's it's so rare. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's becoming a little more, like we're seeing it happen more and more with with TikTok and all this stuff. And you know, Zach Bryan kind of blew up, yeah. not as quick as, as Oliver Anthony or Chris, whatever his real name is. I just found out it's not even his. It's name not. Right it's his granddaddy's name. Oh, it's his granddaddy's name. That's it's, cool. His granddaddy's so, name. I go by LV Shame because my great grandfather was named LV. My first name's LV. My middle name Shame, like I said, but. uh how many times have you been called Elvis? Oh, dude, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I grew up an Elvis fan too. Me and yeah. my sister, we would listen to Elvis. We loved Elvis, but like, but at the same time, every time I hear Elvis, I'm like, God dang it, boy, don't you see the E? Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I, I think we're seeing it a lot more. Uh I feel like people are people you have moments more than you have like careers building anymore there's like you you get your moment you better latch onto it and then hopefully that turns into a career i found that out the hard way like you get a number one at the radio you feel like in my head it was like private jets tour buses crystal parties and you know the finest bourbon there is and and so we come out of a number one and i booked my first club tour and we booked thousand plus cap rooms and and i look around and they're a quarter of the way full yeah and i'm like oh fuck that ain't how it works it's like i got a lot of work to do yeah but luckily also was like i was one of the guys tagging along you know in the early eric church days watching him go out and grind and do small shows and stuff so i just kind of was like why don't i just building more grassroots like like yeah. Eric did, like all the bands that I loved before me did and just go out and start hustling. So we we dumbed it down and we started, you know, going out and playing smaller rooms and and dude, I love it. And and from doing that, I've seen the crowds grow double in some places, triple in some places. But I, what I'm what I'm finally starting to see over the last six months is people like singing the words yeah. in multiple and so I'm like, all right, it's working. It's slow, but it's working. Everything's moving up. And God, it pisses me off how slow it is sometimes, especially when you've been out here busting your ass and for eight, ten years, and you see, you know, some one song, you know. Uh, trust me, I bitch about it all the time. <clears throat> I bitch about, it. but also too, man. I think you have staying power. I think to where like you're, you're gonna build. I mean, you already have people that are coming up now. They're going to build a reputation with bars, with nightclubs, with venues and all this kind of stuff, and with their fans, most importantly, by doing it that way. I think these people, and I'm not saying that Oliver is a one-hit wonder by any means, so I don't want to be misquoted on that shit and be another he's got, Mary he's Morrison. Got great songs, he's got yeah. some ones that I really like. But, like, I think if you do it the way you're doing it, in a way that a lot of other people are doing it, you have staying power to where some of these other folks – you might get a couple songs out there, but what's after that? Now, like, there's there's a reason why we've had one hit wonders from the beginning of fucking music to where we're at now, and it, and it's 
You know, I think it's got to be earned. I think you got to pay your dues when it comes to country music if you want to be around for a long time, or just any music in general. I think that's what happens to these artists like Eric was talking about in that recent interview that was kind of popping up all over social media where he was talking about how there's so many, you know, artists that have had multiple number one hits and they can't even sell out their high school. Yeah. You know, those, those, those guys, and we all know who, you know, some of them are, and yeah. they, they're just, you know, they – you you get a hit every now and then. It's just something that's easy to listen to. People ain't gonna turn it off the radio station, so it stays there, you know. And but but they have trouble selling out, you know, two thousand cap rooms, and they got six number one hits. And I, I feel like, you know, I, dude, I could be way wrong, but I thought if I continue to do things that way, if I try to just get another number one and start chasing rainbows. Then I'm built. I was building my house on a foundation of stand of sand, yeah, and, and I wanted to build my house on a foundation of stone. Man, I feel like the stone is is those those fans. So that's why I stay after my shows for thirty minutes to two and a half hours. Sometimes shaking hands and kissing babies. Man, I want to meet these kids. I want to meet these people that. Uh, and I've and I've got to learn so much about life outside of you know rural Kentucky by doing so, and that therefore I've got to write songs that are inspired by by struggle all over America, not just, you know, what well, within Caneyville, Kentucky. I think a lot of these people and like, I, I could be wrong, man, but a lot of these people are just chasing that single. That's going to get them on country radio. And they forget about the rest of the album. They forget to put their heart and soul and themselves into the rest of the album. And as somebody who worked in radio, who's a fan first above everything else, like I can download an album or buy an album or whatever, and I can listen to it. And if the only thing that's good on that album is the thing that you sent to radio, I'm not going to pay to go to one of your shows just to hear one yeah. song. Like I, I want the rest of the album to be you. And that, and that's why we do this show the way that we do it is because I want to give the listener the reason why to go listen to your whole catalog and not just your singles is I want them to know who you are and what to expect from you. And when you do that, it's just it, you build lifetime fans and you build people that are going to support you for forever because they want you. They they want you to be a representation of them and get their voice out there or whatever they're going through. Yeah, man. And also, like, I feel like people from where I come from and the culture I come from is, is we hear this word empathy like throwed all over the place these days. And it's it's always directed in in, you know, certain directions. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I would probably be considered fairly conservative in a big city and, and, and fairly <laughs> liberal in a small town, you know? Yeah. So it's like, but I also want people that, you know, heavily disagree with the culture and, and knee jerk reactions and thoughts of people that come from where I come from. I want them to have a little bit of empathy too, to understand like, Hey, this is what, this is all they know. This is what they're their parents have told them this is what they've heard at church this is what they've learned at school on the ball field from their grandparents you know you got to understand you can't just you can't just be pissed off and say no. fuck you i don't agree with that that's not right you know we're trying to progress okay well cool progress is great but like you can't just bark at people about it i asked a question this morning or yesterday on twitter about this uh this whole issue going on in israel right now Cause from the outside looking in, man, all I see is a bunch of people on both sides dying, like just over governments disagreeing. And yeah. 
but one thing that confuses me about it is like the old time American Christianity being so attached to Israel, you know, and, and, and the Jewish people of Israel, you know, and, and my simple question was, where does the foundation of this, uh, of this alliance come from? You know, I thought God's people believed in Christ, you know? And so I come from, I was in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. So I think about those things a lot and not that I, like I wasn't saying I'm with Hamas, you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, I know what you're first talking about. Dude, the first dude on on my post, he just starts bitching at me, acting like I'm supporting terrorists. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just asking a question about this alliance. People just like they they automatically go to bitching at each other, and that's that's what I'm sick of. Like, like I, too. I just I called my friend yesterday who we generally disagree on things, man, but I'm so glad I have that friend because I'll call him when I'm like, when I'm stumped, I'll call him and be like, what's your position here? Because this is what I think. And I need to see outside the box right now. You know, I think it's important to have people in your life. And I think we all do have people in our life. It's just for some reason, when we get on the internet, it's just like, "Mm." you know, we all turn into the, the freaking, 50 year old in mom and dad's basement just pissed off at the world oh, i know i know exactly what you mean dude i have to deal with every single day working in social media every single day i get mad but it's like this dude you you said something all ago it really resonated with me because we were talking about this the other day what you grew up and how you lived and how i grew up and how i lived there were a lot of things that were normalized to us that were not normalized to the rest of the world and vice versa. There's a lot of people that grew up in a big city that was used to doing shit a certain way that don't, well, I could never explain to him what it's like riding farmland or riding dirt roads, having a cold beer and why it's not a bad thing to do to kind of yeah. drink and drive where I'm from. They'll never yeah. understand if you're going 95 on a fucking interstate with a bottle of Jack Daniels in your hand. It's like, no, I'm yeah. riding farmland. You'll never understand this unless you put yourself in my shoes. I ain't seen another car for 45 minutes, no, man. Yeah. I've been, I'm just slaying gravel dust and having a beer. Yeah, I grew up like that too, man. Riding mm-hmm. around with my dad and his buddies when I was a kid. Yep. Riding around with my dad and his buddies like pulling off into into no trespassing land and going out and, and doing donuts in a field somewhere out in the woods and drinking beer and driving off in a pothole and wondering where the beer bottle went, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I argued with this dude for 45 minutes the other day because he didn't understand what a trash truck is where we're from. And I was trying to explain. He's like, so you got a whole ass trash truck? And he was thinking about the shit that picks up the big dumpsters. And he was like, that's what you have that you're riding dirt roads and shit in? And I was like, no, we have a truck that is an old beat-up Chevrolet that we put trash bags in the back of it. And once a week, we take them some bitches off and we take them off the long way where we have a beer, listen to the radio and all this kind of shit. And it, the dude didn't understand. And I understood, and it hit me right then, that the little things in life that me and you have normalized, Nobody will ever get it. They'll never understand why we make the jokes that we make because they never lived our life. And I've had to have it in my head to where I'm not going to get these people anymore either. Like, I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to spend my time trying to make them understand. Or it's even like how you just said with what's going on over there right now. Dude, I 100% would love to find out your point of view that you just said about how you want to see what, why it's like it is, right? Cause I don't understand the shit. I don't know why it's the way it is, but I'm open-minded enough that I'll listen to both sides of the argument 
without saying, oh, they're 100% right without ever hearing the other side. You're just yeah. not being closed-minded. And too many people are so scared of what they don't understand that they just close that shit off and they automatically say, oh, no, that's bad. That's bad. It's just so bad. Leave it alone. It's like you don't even fucking understand what it is. Why? Can, how can you call it bad? Yeah, I ain't been there. You know, I don't really know yeah. what's going on. I talked to two people yesterday. I usually don't even get into this shit, honestly, man. Like when Ukraine yeah. and Russia happened, I didn't go do a bunch of research and all this stuff. But I guess I'm I'm just getting older. I want to, you know, I'm worried about our boys and our girls having yeah. to go over there. You know, <laughs> I've got a 17 year old. You know, so these these things are becoming realities to me. So I'm trying to learn, man. I just want I want to learn. I, I'm I'm willing to be wrong. I talked to two people yesterday that have been over there in the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. So I, I got to hear, you know, perspective from, and these two people ended up disagreeing on things, you know, but I got to learn a little bit about what it's really like over there, you know? And, you know, I, when you put walls around cities and, and shove a certain group of people in those, in those cities with a wall around them and give them less rights, it's, it's easy to radicalize people, you know? And so it's like, yeah, I don't know. All I know is I know there's I know there's there's husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, friends that are dying over there yeah. on both sides, man. And that is tragic. That's what I give a shit about. I, I give a shit about people suffering because of bad choices made by government officials. And and we see it. We're seeing it here more and more and more every day. These things, these are things that have become important to me. You know, the that the prison system, the the welfare system, the, the drug abuse and, and, and how easy it is to, to get, to get drugs in America, yeah. man. So Stu, you don't need a dealer, bro. I no. know I went through my shit. I just, I've, I've been, I've been clean against California sober, you know, Cali sober since December of last year, Yeah, you know, but, I didn't go to a drug dealer. I went to a doctor and said, Hey, this is our things that are, that are going on with me, you know? And, and some of it was true, but I also knew that I just wanted something to make me feel better, you know? Yeah. And yeah, we, I left with something to make me feel better. We live in the, the country that it shouldn't be called the United States of America. It should be called the United States of greed from pharmaceutical companies to everything else. All Dude, everyone is trying to do and is trying to get their money. And they have figured out the way to make their money is by us. By pushing to us, I don't care who they are. Their agenda is to put more money in their pockets and create customers for life, regardless of what industry it is. I feel like we've definitely become a nation under God, guns, oil, and drugs. Yeah, you know? no shit. And uh, yeah, man, it's just sad. I hate seeing. I hate seeing the people from where I come from. You know, going through the stuff they're going through. I hate seeing the inner city struggles. I see a lot of similarities in, in inner city struggles and, you know, rural struggles. Uh, I think it all comes down to like lower middle-class problems. You know, I was, I was listening to Bruce Springsteen's book because I don't like to listen to books unless the author's reading them and Bruce is reading Born to Run. Oh, okay. It's so cool him tell his story. But he was talking about how, you know, he grew up, in new england and it was you know him and uh, i think he's italian or something but it's like the how the white kids and the black kids all played together in the lower middle class yeah. you didn't he didn't hear any any racial issues or anything yeah. until it got to you know middle and upper middle class white people 
you know, well, you, you probably grew up in the same community kind of community I did. We didn't have racism, like we because we were all poor kids. Like it, it yeah. didn't matter. Like nobody was like, "Oh, you're worse off than me because of the color of your skin." It's like, no, we all, all our lives kind of suck, and we were all friends. I didn't realize that there was even shit like that until I started going to other places. I think I experienced racism, but it was like there was only a couple uh, of black kids in, in my school, you know, and and I dated one of them, you know. So I experienced it from that that side of things, you know, uh, taking taking my girlfriend to a family event and having a certain family member come yeah. up to me. But, hey, man, you know, you, you know, you can't bring bring her back. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm like, who the hell are you? What's kiss? You know? Yeah. Now kiss my ass. I'll bring whoever I want to around. Uh, so I experienced it from that way, but it was never like, I don't know. I never seen any like really, really bad stuff. I mean, it's all bad, obviously. Oh, it, it absolutely. There, there, there wasn't, there wasn't as much racism just because there was just like, it was predominantly white there, yeah. you know, it was, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of uh, people of color in, in where I grew up. But even like even the ones you were around, like even you just said you you dated someone that wasn't of your your skin tone. I have too. I went through the same shit, and it is. I don't even think that it's always racism. I think it's just they don't understand. Like it's a different day and age, and most people are scared of what they don't understand. Now you do have bigots out there. Don't get me wrong, but most yeah. most people like I think most people get comfortable with it. I think most people where we're from get comfortable with it because we've had to go through all these other things where we're from. So where it's like, oh, this isn't as bad as it was. It's not perfect, yeah. but it ain't as bad as it was. Yeah. But it's also, I think, I think it's also easy for, you know, two white guys to sit here and, and talk about that yep. and not have <laughs> yeah. a clear understanding, you know what I mean? Of what it's like, like yeah. you know, that, that only affected me for, for a moment where I was yeah. just like, my ass and went on about my business whereas you know i know there's people out there that it's just like going in a bathroom and seeing the n-word written over a, yeah. a urinal for no reason you know it's like you just you just put that there to be a dick and to make some to ruin somebody's day yeah. you well, know you're always gonna have hateful people like it doesn't yeah. matter not not even racist folks there are just <laughs> miserable ass hateful fucking people and we just happen to live in the age where it is exposed more than ever or out there more than ever because of social media. So it, it makes it seem like it's more out there than it's ever been. But I don't think it, I think if anything, I think it's like, I think it's going downhill. Oh, is it that it makes it seem like it's more out there than it's ever been? Or is it, is it that it's been out there and we just weren't as privy to it as we that, are now. That's because, what I mean. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean is we just, there, there are people now that shouldn't have a fucking phone or a computer so they can <laughs> spill their bullshit on the internet and say what they want to, but where they didn't used to, to where they used to just stand in their fucking basement or in their backyard and holler bullshit out. Now they got yeah. a fucking platform. The basement's a lot bigger these days. Yeah. No shit. It, it seems like the whole fucking social media world is a basement right about now. Yeah, it's wild. It is wild out there, man. But, you know, I don't know. I I just got back from New York City not too long ago where we yep. filmed the video for Pill. And this is my third time being there. And man, I love that city. As a as a small town Kentucky boy who always grew up here in that 
and seeing it on the news that New York is a trash can and it's just evil and you walk down the street and you're going to get stabbed or shot and mugged and robbed. It's like that shit happens every day, I'm sure there, but it really is a beautiful city and there's so many, there's such a diverse population and you, every little corner you turn around is like visiting a different country and I, I love that. I, I I wish that people that come from where I come from had just had more of an opportunity to get out and see so much of of the United States and the world that that I've been blessed to be able to see and maybe their perspectives would be a a little different on things. I know their perspectives would be a little different on things but you know I'm always kind of in my head too just trying to trying to figure out I I used to definitely be the knee-jerk reaction dude you know and now I'm like I've I've had that hit me in the face so many times at this point i'm like i'm trying to always see the other side you know well when you're from where places like we're from little towns it's so <clears> easy <throat> to get that little town mindset to where this is the best that the world has to offer because it's all yeah. you've ever known it's all your family's ever known i still have people to this day and i'll guarantee you do too that are like why is he doing this why <laughs> why is he out trying to what's he got a podcast He's he working in radio. Like, what, why is he? Why does he want to work a nine to five? And it's like, just because that's you and that's all you've ever known doesn't mean that's all I want. I don't want to be at the end of my life and be like, damn, I'm sure glad I worked at Walmart for 30 years. I asked, yeah, I don't. I want to chase my dreams. And even if I fall short, at least I can say I did it and gambled on myself. And people were from. They just don't get that. They don't, and then they don't want to venture out. That's what always drives me nuts. I wanted to venture out. I wanted to see what the rest of the world has to offer. Where some people are like, no, I'm going to eat the same three places for the rest of my fucking life, get my hair <laughs> cut at the same place, buy my clothes at the same. Why? You're not, you're not just living yeah. to die. You're not just living to die. I feel like there's some people that are, that are okay with that. But I feel like, man, the majority, I would say 85, 90% of people really want what what we what we talk about wanting and what yeah. what we go after but but as somebody who didn't go after it till I was 27 years old I also understand how impossible it seems you know oh, yeah I, I like you to tell this tra- story tra- my daddy I me mean, we were we were driving by this farm at the end of our road one time and I looked over at that farm I said I'm gonna buy that farm one day and my dad said yeah right I said yeah I'm gonna call it yeah right farms too asshole you know Hell and yeah. uh so I don't know. It feels like, you know, when you grow up in those places, I feel like you feel like you're growing up in a yeah, right town, you know? Yeah, right. I'm going to be able to chase my dreams and, and do this. And now I know that, you know, and, and money's always an issue. Like, how am I going to go to Nashville and write songs and try to build a music career when I got a wife and kids at home and I got to, you know, I got to feed and, and help support and, and all this. And it's like, I think if you're honest with yourself about what you're good at, and you go after what you want, do it, do it on as a hobby at first. And yep. then like, if you focus on what you feel like you're great at and you feel like that you're, you know, God gifted you in, then little angels will show up and, you know, give you some gas money for the journey. And and that's, that's kind of what happened with me. I, I, you know, I, I ended up singing in a garage one night at this, this couple's vacation spot on Lake Cumberland in Kentucky. And I got a phone call two weeks later. It's like, Hey, we believe in what, what you're doing and we want to help you. And here's a, here's 
a check for $20,000. Take this and pay your bills with it and start going to Nashville. And I'm like, dude, I'd never seen anything over $1,500 in my hand in my life. You know, most of my vehicles cost me $1,500, you know? So I'm like, $20,000. What? I can't take that. I can't take that. And it's like, well, you don't really have a choice. It's yours. It's not ours anymore. We gave it to you. And, and so, you know, and, but I think it's also important, like when, when, whether it's $20,000 or $100, like you take that and do everything you can to move in the direction. And dude, I wasted a lot of that money spending on stuff. I thought that I needed buying equipment and I had everything I could show up in your town, set up a stage and speakers and, and go to work you know, without, without you having anything. And I wasted a lot of that money and, and, and time, but, but it all, you know, I, I can't say I wasted it cause it got me, you know, yeah, where, where I'm at now. I, yeah, but also like, I want, I think it's important to, to get out and chase those dreams, but also if you're that person that doesn't really yearn for that, I think it's important to tell young people, especially Right now, I'm on this this campaign of like, you know, the hell with college, man. Yeah, like, if college no is shit. for you, if college is for you and you're academic and you know you'll study and you'll do it, go do it. But the electrician that works on my house makes good money. The plumber that works on my house makes good money. The carpenter, the roofer, the the landscaper, the guy that mo- they make good money, man. The guy that that repairs the my car, the body shop, they make good money, man. Like these kids, that we've been, I I call it the CSI epidemic. You know, when all the CSI movie TV shows came oh, out, yeah, everybody's like, yeah. I'm gonna go to college and get be a Criminal forensic justice. pathologist, yeah, yeah. Make, yeah, or a psychologist and make all kinds of money, and I'm gonna be happy. I'll tell you right now, money does not make oh, me happy. No. I got a whole lot of it, but I got more of it than than I ever did as a younger man yeah. and i'll tell you right now that it in at the at the peak of my success so far i was most miserable i'd been in in the last five or ten years yeah you know so I, i'm the same way dude like i grew up without it i don't need it it's nice when i have it but there there's just not enough people pushing what you just said I, I ain't in a college. I tried to go. I pretended like it for a little bit, but I ain't got yeah, no credits. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't have a good time, to be honest with you. And it's where the person who always owns a business and they're successful to me is going to be way more happy and have way more money long term than somebody that went to college. I think that we got tricked at some age that it was like, you're going to go out of high school and you're going to go straight to college. You're going to get a degree. You're going to have a wife and kids. You're going to have a three bedroom house. You're going to have so, so many youngins. You're going to do this, this, and this, and this. And it's just like literally putting you like cattle's herding. Like they're literally, you're making money for everybody else. You got to pay back the money to the college. You're just literally living life to die. And you're, you're making everybody else happy, but are you truly making yourself happy? And now yeah. there's so many different options from anything that comes from social media, any of the jobs that you offer to, Hey, why don't I just start my own business? Why don't I apprentice with somebody for a little while? Why don't I get good at one craft 
and then do it. How can you tell? I don't know if you're this way. If you'd have told me at 18 years old that I was going to be anything but a major league baseball player, I'd have got my fucking heart broke. Why, <laughs> why, why wasn't there people being like, dude, go write music. Like you love this shit. You like writing poetry. Why don't, why don't you do this? And what, there yeah. was, there was never anybody pushing that shit. I was 28 years old when I started working in radio and it's like, I spent 10 years of my life thinking I had to do what everybody else wanted me to do. And then finally I was like, fuck it. I'm chasing, I'm going after what I want. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, you know, growing up doing what your daddy did, man. Oh, no, there's, nothing wrong, not. there's nothing wrong with it. And it's honorable, but, but man, you get to live one time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've got an 18 year old friend. She just moved to Nashville and we started a publishing company and she's, she's writing for us and never had anything wrong with her, her, her whole life. She was here for a week, moved up here from Florida, chasing her drink here for a week and had a stroke at 18 years old. Shit. You know, she's good now. She's good. Yeah. They, they found, they found some issues going on with her heart. She had a, she had a blockage in her carotid artery, perfectly healthy. It would seem from the outside, but that really got me thinking, man. It's like, damn, I'm 35, you know? And I was like, we don't take care of ourselves. You know, <laughs> we not don't. at all. And even if you do, this is a pretty healthy young girl, you know, and, and that, and that can happen. So as you get to live one time, so at least, like I said, like do what you're passionate about as a hobby. Yeah. Or if you're passionate about carpentry work, try to get a job, putting some decking on somebody's back porch. You know, and it's just like, and if you, if you screw up, own up to it and it might cost you some money to fix your screw up, but go fix it, you know, but if you're passionate about being an actor, go to Atlanta, go to LA, go to some, you know, try, try to get in at Duke, take theater in in high school and don't give a shit if anybody picks on you about it, man. I got, you know, I did course classes in in school and I got picked on about that shit. You know, and it's like, but, but now I, I get to sing. For a living, you know? Yeah. Well, there's just not enough people that no matter what age, like there, there's some people that are so deterred from, from being passionate, like chasing their passion. Like there, there should be more than that. Uh, there's a teacher, a friend of mine, and she just retired, um, been around her my whole life. And me and her had that conversation. It's like, I wish there was a class that there's a lot of shit. I ain't never going to use again that I learned in the first place. I, there's, I, I don't know the shit no more. But there needs to be like a class instead of home ec or something like that to where it's like, hey, let's figure out what you're good at. Like, let's just let's focus on what you love and what you're good at. And let's then see what you could turn that into a career. Like, and let, let's. Yeah, you're talking about that. schooling. The what? You're talking about unschooling. So yeah, there's unschooling. these programs that yeah. have kind of that popped up. And uh, there's a guy named Ben Greenfield or. Yeah. I think is his name. He's, he's got a podcast and stuff. He's been on the Rogan podcast a couple times. And, uh, but his kids, they go to this small classroom. It's like out in the woods and they, they take their kid, they take kids out and like squirrel hunt and build <laughs> stuff. And so I've been trying to apply that with like, with my son right now, he's, he's out of school for the next three days. And luckily in Kentucky right now, you can, you know, if, if you need to, you can pull your kid out of class. They can go on, their uh oh, okay. their computer um but i'm like he works with a golf coach down here in franklin tennessee and he started playing golf april of last year 
and he was like number one seed on his team this year. That's cool. You know, so so I'm like, okay, I see there could potentially be a future here. He has a lot of natural ability and and he's he's super athletic and it's like this could turn into a dream job. So I think it's more important for you to yeah get your score done because you have to. You know, you you need to you need to get an education. Uh, but I think it's more important for you to be down here right now working on that scholarship that you want, you know, and, and working with this, this trainer for, for a couple of days, other than, you know, just sitting in the classroom and going through the notions. Um, so I, you know, and some people, I have, I have the luxury of being able to do that for my kid. And I understand that. And I, and I, I wish that, that more people had that, the ability to do that. Um, but I think it's, it's really important as parents to be like, to recognize, Hey, kids got to go to school. They got to take the test. They got to go through the whole who, blah, blah. But if the school's not going to do it, it's on you, man. So find what your kid's passionate about and lean into it, invest in it. If it, if it makes you go broke, which golf could very well. Fuck no, it, fuck it will. I play it. I promise. Oh, you got a long grow ahead, brother. I got a, I got a tea time with him hearing, hearing about a, here in about an hour and uh so i'm gonna go play that's something i love about golf though it's something me and he me and him can do oh, yeah. for you know for years to come but lean into those things and, and try to try to be that person in your kid's life that that helps them expand on what they're passionate about and and show them that alone will show them that there's there's a possibility that they can they can chase their dreams whether it's being a pro golfer or being the best carpenter in your hometown well, I think, too, on the opposite side of that, it's our job as parents. Um, and it should be our job as a whole community to be real with kids. To Like, I'm I'm 5'10 on a good day when my back doesn't hurt. Uh, like, somebody should have took me aside in high school and said, hey, look, Josh, I know you love baseball. I know you love football. Do not center what you think you're going to do the rest of your life around this. Like, yeah. or, or even on the education side of it. There ain't no way in hell I could have ever been a brain surgeon, a doctor, or whatever. Like th- there has to be like somebody, like you said earlier, making it to where it's okay for you to be a carpenter, making it okay to you be an electrician. Like you, we don't need to lie to our kids, and like we shouldn't deter them from pay, like pursuing things that they're passionate about. But also to be like, hey man, I saw you writing some poetry the other day. You you want to try to put a guitar in your hand? You want? learn how to write a song instead of going out there and getting five concussions because you're too small yeah. to play against the bigger boys like let, let's find something else and like work towards it and i bet you end up being passionate now i have not met anybody that's good at something that ends up hating that thing that they're good at yeah never i i definitely get frustrated you know personally with the ins and outs of of being a artist trying to make it but but i always go back to i just love to sing man yeah and i get I get to do that. So, you know, that's great. If I also, I also love to take pictures and I, I don't make no money as a photographer, but, but I do that and I love it, you know, and maybe one day I'll make some money. That'd be cool. But yeah, you gotta be careful too. Like, I don't, you gotta be careful and just make sure that you, you've thought about it before you talk to them because that could do one or two things. It could, it could be like, Hey, okay. It can make the kid realize, okay, this isn't my strong suit. I need to pursue something else. Yeah. Or it could be like, or it could make the kid be like, all right, kiss my ass. I'll show yeah. you. And, and that usually is a good motivator for me. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I can't do shit, you know? Well, what, uh, before we get off here, cause I ain't gonna hold you up with a tea time, by the way, I want you to go play with your son. 
Um, what's some stuff you got coming out? I know we ran our mouths for like a damn hour. We ain't even talked about like some shit you got coming out or any shows or anything. It's all good, man. I'm about to go on the road with Cameron Marlowe. Uh, what a beast is he, dude? What a great voice, great songs, good, just good human being. So me and Cameron became friends. We went to play a show in Texas. It's supposed to be outside, but there's a bar on the property, and our show got rained out. And they came up and they're like, hey, we're going to cancel the show, guys, uh, due to rain. I looked at Cameron and I said, there's a bar right over there. It ain't fucking raining in the bar. You know, and he's like, no, it ain't. I said, I reckon we could just go play there, couldn't we? And uh, so we go over and play in there. And it's like, so he immediately gained my respect that day, you know. And they needed somebody to come out and open. I love going out and doing acoustic stuff. I went and did some with Blackberry Smoke this year. And nice. I, I've opened up. I've, I've got I've got the opportunity to the the, the just – terrifying opportunities to go out and open for people for 75 hundred fifteen thousand people just me and acoustic guitar and it's 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 definitely uh humbling but i love to do it so i'm gonna go out with him and take a couple guys from a band and we're just gonna do like a strip down acoustic thing so i'm looking forward to that bunch of college towns around the south so if you want to come see us come see us uh, i'm just gonna up. be trying to yell the truth through a microphone for 40 minutes at, at a time um but then other than that, we just put Pill out. This year we've put out Sympathy for the Devil on Stone Cold Country, uh, Hillbilly with Cadillac 3, Forgotten Man, uh, and then Jonesen, Baptized, Pill now. We're going to stay on Pill for the rest of this year and into a little bit of next year just because I, I feel like this song – I wrote that song in the hopes that it would just change one person's life. That here's it come so on. good. It's deep, man. It's so deep. I appreciate it. Uh, that that song is really important to me. I hope it gets in. I hope it, it saves at least one life, man. You know, uh, and I, I know that music can do it because I I was I was there. I was about to. I was. I felt my heart flutter a couple times, man. And my dad sent me Homeboy. And I went home I went home that weekend, man. I was living across the tracks in Bowling Green. I was, uh, I was just, I was a thug, man. It was just, it was, I was just living a shitty life. And I went home that weekend and went directly into a grain bin shoveling soybeans and corn that summer. And, uh, that song is what led me there and it helped me for a while. Um, but then, uh, the record's coming out, Damascus next year. Probably springtime. Damascus is just a, uh, you know, after that first record, I was like, what the hell do I do now? I guess I'm on this road to Damascus, but I didn't want it to be like the first record at all. So I, yeah. I, I started leaning into more of my influences like Foo Fighters and Mac Miller and Eminem and, and funk and all this other stuff that I didn't touch on in the first record. And, and I was saying well, Damascus is also a type of steel where you take all these different types of steel and heat them up and beat them together. It makes this beautiful blade with all these lines and it. it's real strong. And I was like, hopefully I can, uh, I can make this next record a sword made out of Damascus, you know, and that's the, uh, the opportunity that I get to really explore anything sonically that I want and topic wise, because it's the whole point of the record is just pull from everything. And there's a song I wrote on there about a friend of mine who, uh, who's serving hard time for, for killing a man. And, uh, he was my, my very first friend as a child. And, you know, this, this guy came in on him with a gun and my, my friend shot and killed him, but he was a felon in possession of a firearm. Ooh. So he couldn't claim self-defense. Um, 
allegedly, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just wondered one day what it was like to be be that guy in in his shoes. And I, I closed my eyes and just started trying to picture myself sitting in that cell talking talking to myself and talking to God. And I got to sing that song at Lee Adjustment Center in Eastern Kentucky a couple weeks back for sixty five inmates serving a hard time. And uh, I could I could just tell that. I gained a lot of those guys' respect, and, and they gained a lot of my respect, too. And I just seen a lot of faces like mine and yours, man, that just made a mistake. Same mistakes me and you have probably made. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I've been there. Several mistakes I've made that could have landed my ass in there for, for many years, and uh, I didn't see much difference. So I'm just trying to touch on, you know, it, it all comes back to Forgotten Man for me, man. It's like not only that song very much about the working man, um, but it's just a forgotten demographic of people all over America and, and people that not just that I would agree with on every single topic, but you know, the things that I disagree with everything I want to, I want to touch on those things in this record. So well, keep was, your ears and eyes out for that for me, please. Well, it's obvious that you're real and you're just singing about real life and what you know. I mean, that, that's all you could ever ask from an artist, dude. Like, I don't want, yeah, I, I always say, like, I don't think Johnny Paycheck <laughs> or David Allen Coe or any of those old guys, I don't think they ever stopped a minute and said, man, I'm not going to write this because it might hurt somebody's feelings. And they probably were like, this is real life. There's somebody right now that is living this if I'm feeling this way, and I'm going to put it out. And I feel like that's what you do. I, I feel like man, it, I feel like exactly what you do. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I, You know, I grew up I, – I knew a lot of people – and grew up around a lot of people in the meth game in the, in the early two thousands, late nineties. Yeah. I wrote this song called Appalachian Alchemy and put a little bit of it up on the internet. And it's, it's kind of a, to listen to the song, it's almost like a copperhead roadish thing, romanticizing the life. But I had these people come on and start commenting, Hey man, I'm eight years clean. Hey man, I'm in the struggle right now. Thank you for representing us. And I was like, it doesn't have, you don't have to preach about it. You just have to let people know that you've you've been there or you've seen it and you relate to it in some way and they feel like there's somebody out there talking for them. I mean a prime example that's Jelly Row right now. Oh, absolutely, you know? dude. I love what that man stands for. And uh, you know, I just shot him a message the other day. I sent him a video to Peel and I was just like, dude, I wanna let you know that we give a shit about the same people, you know, and, and I really I really see him giving a shit about those people. So um would I love for as many people to be listening to my music as him? Hell yeah. Who the would fuck be. wouldn't? Who yeah. the fuck wouldn't? Well, fuck. I'm just going to keep on doing my thing, man. I appreciate you having me on here. Anytime, dude. You keep doing shit like you're doing right now, and you can come back hang out with me anytime, especially in person. We we need to get you on one of our – uh, like we got an end of the year round with like Ashlyn Craft, Bobby Pinson, Brett Shiroki, all them in Nashville, November the 8th. If you're around or whatever, come to Live Oak, dude. And and I'll put you headlining with the rest of them. But what we do, our studio even stands for is called Raising Grace. My daughter's name's Gracie. She's 12. But it also stands for somewhere between Raising Hell and Amazing Grace. And I'm all about growth and forgiveness and taking the worst shit in your life and turning it into the best thing that's ever worked for you. Because I, I think that God allows us to go through hell so we know what heaven is worth. If you ain't yeah. gone all through all the shit you've been through or me, we wouldn't be in the shoes we've been that we're in now. And we're supposed to glorify that in my, in my mind. So I love having folks like, like you around and cause you're real. Yeah. I mean, it's hundred percent like you, 
don't get me wrong. I've I've got to have sometimes the sparkly glitter bitches and guys on here or whatever that's gonna talk about <laughs> shit I don't like. But it's 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 things like this that when when even I've had a suicide attempt when I was in back in 2010, and we do a lot of mental health stuff and we do stuff with create events up in Nashville, Mission 22, uh, all kind of stuff. And it's the real people like you that make a difference in somebody's life, even if it is just that one person. But I imagine it's a lot more with your platform well, as good as you are. Dude, that's that's what that's what it's meant for. That's that, that's why we're supposed to be living. Hey, turns out November eighth is the CMAs, and they forgot to send me an invite. So uh, looks like I'm here, but well, hey, I'll put you down, dude. We'll exchange numbers when we get them recorded, so nobody gets them. But yeah, I'd love to. I'd love for you to come and and do eight it with six us, seven five three zero nine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had to be an eighties baby to get that joke, folks. Oh, well, dude. Shit. Uh, well, dude. I appreciate it. Drop your social media handles real fast, and we'll get the hell out of here. I believe everything is just at at LV Shane Music. So if if it's got blue check mark, then it's me. I only say that not because I'm super proud of blue check mark, but just because there's assholes out there that try to steal your money. And I know there's been a couple old ladies in the last couple of years that have sent some money, and I'm just like, it ain't me, honey. You know, yeah. so I can't do shit uh, about yeah. it. Check out everything. I would love to. Uh, I would love, love to see socials grow a little bit if you go follow me then people that follow you are liable to see some stuff that we put out and i just you know i'm trying to talk about stuff that i feel like is important in our communities in my music and and it might not it might not all be radio hits uh or any of it radio hits I, honestly the best shit I, right now ain't on radio bro the best the I, best songs are not on radio i just don't i just you know it, it would be great to you know it's awesome the paycheck's nice, whatever, but I, I, I don't care. I just want to, I just want people to, to realize that I'm out here and I'm just trying to tell the truth as loud as I can, man. So, dude, well, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, anything you, we could ever do for you here, you let us know, brother. I appreciate you, buddy. All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry podcast. I will holler at y'all later. <laughs>